the beer garden starting at 5.30 featuring local craft beers. On Saturday, starting at 10 a.m., more than 80 artists, crafters, and fine food purveyors will line the streets for an outdoor gallery. Sponsored by La Strada Bakery, celebrating their 30th anniversary, Casey's Bagel Cafe, located at 17 Stowe Street, and Axel's Gallery and Frame Shop on the historic Stowe Street. Go to WaterburyArtsFestival.com. It's time to get the story behind the story. Interviews with newsmakers, newsbreakers, and your phone calls. Radio Vermont presents The Mark Johnson Show. Thank you, Jim Connie. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the program. It's Friday. Thank goodness. Thanks for spending part of your morning with us. Beautiful day out there today. Thanks for uh, uh, hanging around with us. I know many things out there drawing your attention, maybe even getting outside. But you can always listen to us outside, too. There's headphones and... Uh, radios and uh, iPhones and things like that. All right, uh, we're going to get right down to business here this morning. Coming up in our next hour, we're going to be talking about solar weather. And uh, let me just confess up front here that this is, I have a pretty good knowledge on a wide variety of topics. This is one that I am sorely lacking, but thank goodness we have uh, Stowe High School graduate, Johnson School graduate, and now a physicist for NASA uh, Dr. Kerry Black will be joining us coming up next hour and will educate, I'm sure, all of us on that issue. We'll take your phone calls uh, this morning and every day on the program. You can reach us at 244-1777. That's our local number in central Vermont. And you can also reach us on our toll-free lines at 877-291-8255. Uh, and uh, this is going to be a stretch, but we're we're going to continue the uh, theme of solar here this morning, and uh, we're going to welcome here to the program uh, Jeff Wolf is joining us. He was the co-founder of Grow Solar. See how cleverly I was able to make that connection. Also joining us this morning is Reverend Byron Brees, who uh, until recently was down at the United Church of Stratford. They are both here as part of a uh, effort to promote a symposium that's coming up that discusses uh, children, climate, and faith. Uh, Jeff, let's start with you this morning. Good morning. How are good you? Good morning. Very good, Mark. So uh, tell us, the, what's the origin of this? How did this all come together? How did you go from Grow Solar to Grow Symposium? <laughs> well, um, after I left Grow Solar, I had some time to, to, to think and to pursue some other activities, um, which is always great fun to explore. And uh, I met uh, Reverend Brees uh, at the local church, uh, particular Sunday, he was preaching on mountaintop removal, uh, mountaintop removal coal mining, and um, uh, we got to know each other after that and became friends, and uh, we're discussing, you know, what do we do about climate change? What do we do about mountaintop removal? And uh, uh, that, that created the, the, the start of discussion about, about a symposium to discuss these issues. And uh, uh, in our discussions, we of course realized that, that climate change affects uh, children, affects future generations and and is actually a, a huge creator of social injustice in the world because climate change impacts everybody but those of lesser means have a harder time recovering from it uh, both in the US and internationally so coming up with some of these thoughts we um, uh, decided to, to put on a symposium and uh, first year had Bill McKibben as a keynote speaker and uh, created a, 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 a thesis around the symposium uh, that, was, that was different. We found it was, was actually unique uh, and hadn't been considered before. And that is that because um, pretty much every faith we've found, and, and, and we have uh, 
uh, mainstream Christians coming and uh, Unitarian Universalists, but also uh, Muslims and Buddhists and Sikhs and uh, Native Americans uh, and pagans and and you, all, all faiths and spiritualities are, are welcome, uh, and we've embraced a huge number of them. We found that all these spiritualities have a basis of social justice and a basis of care for future generations. So when we connect the dots that climate change is the largest creator of social injustice moving forward, especially against our children, uh, it, it becomes clear to folks that, that people of faith need to act on climate change. So that was the, the real short story of, of how we created the symposium. And, uh, you know, By- Byron fills in a lot of blanks because I'm not the theologian. Um, I'm, I'm just a, a, a guy who has worked on climate for a long time and uh, cares about justice and cares about our children. What do you think you gain, though, by bringing in the faith community? What's the, what's the goal of that? Well, there's so many folks who work in the science world and, and who can discuss and work in science and, and, and care about science. But there's an awful lot of folks who, who don't and who science is not a driver for. So um, you, you need to find another way to speak with people uh, because we all speak different languages. And, and many people speak a language of faith or spirituality. And so trying to broaden the conversation, um, we, we have scientists at, at these symposiums as well. Many mm-hmm. scientists are very faithful, actually. Um, and, and so we're, we're working to broaden the conversation and so bringing in the, the faith with the children, with the justice, with the science, uh, is, is why we brought the faith in. It's an enlarging of the tent, if you will. Byron, tell me, what, what role do you see of the faith community in, in trying to help solve this issue? And obviously you think there must be a role if you were talking about mountaintop coal, coal uh, extraction by mountaintop removal. Yes, um, the faith component of this is something that is connected to well just being human um we seem to be uh, a life form that creates religion um and that can be anything from revelation to um self-understanding and so the connection with with faith is, in my view, essential to be able to speak across these lines of difference that we've um, uh, created. Because once we start to find this common ground inwardly, uh, we begin to find that the expressions of religion uh, throughout human history and the plurality of religion that exists has a way of connecting at this level of deep wisdom. And that's really what we're focusing on. Um, at our first symposium, for example, uh, we didn't have one interfaith argument. Um, people came from, from their own place and they brought that. And we, we work with principles that are very pluralistic. Um, In fact, this year, for example, um, we have um, a Sikh elder who will participate. We have a cooperative Baptist. This is someone who comes from 
um, a group that's kind of separated themselves out from the Southern Baptists. And so he's still quite evangelical. Mm-hmm. So uh, the connections, the interconnections are what, what we've really been benefiting from in how we go about talking about climate destruction and social justice. Um, this has really, really become uh, something that's been very fruitful. Does the faith community have any influence, though? Sure. Um, Pope Francis just uh, got the biggest press on the planet. So um, it, it certainly is influential. Uh, obviously the result of all the work you two have done. <laughs> We'd like to think so. Thank you. No, it, it, it's, as we were saying, a coalescing of, of many things which are happening. We're, we're at a point, I believe, in human history where um, all of our... Um, ways of living have brought us to this point where as human beings go deeper into themselves they begin to see that we we have a common culture the inward life and this gets expressed in many ways so that inward Everybody I've been reading in the New York Times and everybody's talking about, well, the, the return to looking inward. And, and, and it's true. My God. Really? Okay. <laughs> I mean, I've never, I don't think that it ever went away. Yeah. Um, but um, New revelation. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's not. Yeah. It's not. Um, there's a great deal, especially among many Christians, of... of kind of reaching back, doesn't matter whether you're Protestant, Catholic, or Orthodox, reaching back into our more medieval histories and spiritualities and finding that it speaks to us. And so we're able to communicate even with our historical denominational um, developments. So um, we really do find that, that there is a way of mobilizing, if you want to use that word, people of faith... Um, certainly the, the climate march in um, uh, New York City uh, some time ago, um, <laughs> my 83-year-old mother went on it. Mm-hmm. Now, she's never done anything activist in her life. Mm-hmm. But the young pastor of her Reformed Church in New Jersey um, encouraged her to come. And so she was the elder among this group of, of younger people from this little church um, who were among, you know, what, 400,000 people? Mm-hmm. And there were clearly, as I looked at the map, you know, they had people arranged by um, uh, community or category or activity. And, and so it's very clear that religious communities were included in that. Um, I think as, as we, we mentioned... When, we, when Jeff and I began working, creating our Children Climate Faith, um, we, we heard from some more eminent, uh, well-established organizations who said we weren't making that connection between children, future generations, social justice, the impacts of climate destruction on the poor and marginalized, uh, and faith. We were mostly looking at policy and economics. And so um, this has begun to develop 
in, in the understanding of the faith community involved in um, concerns over climate destruction. 244-1777 is our local number. Toll free, you can reach us at 877-291-8255. We've been talking with Reverend Byron Brees and also Jeff Wolf uh, about a symposium coming up talking about uh, children, climate, and faith. We, let's get some details out here before I forget. The, the conference is when? How do you sign up, Jeff? The conference is uh, August 8th and 9th, Saturday and Sunday, uh, in Stratford, Vermont. And uh, you can sign up online. The, the website is www.faithclimateconference.org and there's a link right on the uh, uh, homepage there to, to register so you can register right online uh, you can, there's also email addresses you can email us and register uh, uh, through email as well uh, lots of information there uh, all the detail you want but uh, if you need more detail you can always, uh, always email us you, you know this as well as I do some people get turned off by the talk of religion so is that is that a potential problem here for you? Yeah, it, it, it is. Um, but a couple stories might help. Um, you know, we have uh, s some very interesting keynote speakers. Uh, uh, we have Jay O'Hara, who's a, a Quaker, and uh, is is well known because he was on the lobster boat that blockaded the coal ship that went to the uh, was trying to go to the uh, Massachusetts coal powered plant. And, um, and they successfully stopped that ship from coming in for a day, uh, but then went to trial. And just before they went to trial, they actually uh, were plea bargained out of charges, basically, uh, because they were using the necessity defense. Oh, all right. Yeah. The necessity defense says, I, created, I committed a wrong, but my wrong was less than the wrong that was going to be committed otherwise. Right, it was necessary good. for me to do this. And, and the DA agreed with them. And um, actually, the DA went to the climate march after the case. He had been converted. Um, and, and, and so that, that's wow. a um, converted climate, right? Um, so he was a Quaker driven by his, his, deeper, his known deeper spirituality. Another keynote, though, uh, Shelley Alpern, who uh, works with um, Clean Yield Asset Management, as if uh, she's the director of uh, social research and advocacy, and as I was uh, talking to her about possibly being a keynote speaker about investment, I said, so, Shelley, what's, what's motivated you to do this advocacy work? Uh, she's been an advocate for, for uh, you know, better investing as well as LGBT rights. Um, and what's motivated you? And she said, you know, Jeff, I've never really thought about that. And then we had this tremendous conversation about what had motivated her, which she hadn't thought about. And it was really a fun conversation that, that she really enjoyed as she kind of opened her own eyes to some of her own background that had motivated her to work for the rights of other people for her whole life, mm -hmm. uh, both in the financial world and outside the financial world. Uh, you, we've got another keynote, Trey Cates. Before you go to that, so what did she tell you? Uh, so, so she was brought up Jewish, uh, is not a practicing uh, Jew now, uh, but she remembers the stories from her rabbi. And and remembers the, um, the 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 teachings. Okay. And they they made an impact on her, and I would say unconsciously helped guide her life. Okay. And and so she's she's beginning to think about this, and she hasn't thought about it in twenty years. Hmm. Um, Trey Cates, who's the uh, COO of the um, Savory Institute out in Colorado, is coming, and and he has uh, all kinds of divinity degrees. 
he's he's so he's very much uh, you know he he's he's been through his spiritual trainings very formal spiritual trainings um but now he works in an institute working on uh environmental agricultural problems mm-hmm. and the impact of agriculture on climate change so you've got you know two very different folks here coming out from very different sides of the spectrum in terms of faith and that's what we try and have in in people who come to this symposium as well people who have considered their faith in their actions and people who have not people who have been to church every sunday and people who have never been to a place of worship in their life because when you ask the question, either somebody asks it of you or you ask it internally, um, something motivates you to do things in life. And it's not always faith. It's not always spirituality. But often it is. When I got into solar, you know, I was in solar, still I'm in solar. Uh, why did I do that? And, and there were a lot of uh, you know, physical and economic reasons. But there were a lot of things I could do for the same physical and economic reasons. Right. Uh, but I wanted to help save this planet. Why? What drives me to do that? And so it's that kind of questioning, and you know, it's that kind of questioning where there's really no wrong answers. Mm-hmm. Um, that that helps people to um, be motivated. And part of what the faith does here is provides motivation to do this work. This work we're doing. Uh, trying to to change, address climate change and and other social issues, um, it's hard work. It's hard work. It's draining work, and and it's a long run. It's a marathon. So faith gives you that motivation, but it also helps to give you that hope, which is so important. You look like you really wanted to add something there. Well, well yeah, we've been joking recently uh, about the whole question on proselytizing. And um, Jeff and I have been joking recently that, well, it's a serious joke. Yes, we are trying to convert you. We're trying to convert you to your inner self. We, we, through this issue, we are trying to say, look at your inner self, your inner life. Uh, those motives that Jeff mentions and, and do the discernment work. Because clearly the issues are, are really, they are urgent, uh, they're vital, um, they're critical. You know, we can put all of these different, how do we describe this? Um, but we are saying you have to find that foundation within. And it can come through something that is philosophical. It can come through something that is spiritual but not religious. It can come through something that is part of an established religious community. And nurture that. Because you have to have some found some inner... It's so hard to come up with the proper word. Is it, you know, foundation essence, um, vitality, elan, whatever term you want to use, you have to find that to sustain the hard work of caring and taking steps, whether you're going to be an activist or whether you're going to be someone who takes actions in a smaller fashion, maybe a less political fashion, because we're working with both activists and actors. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that also I'd, I'd like to mention, though, is on the 6th and 7th of, of August, 
We're trying this year to have, in addition to the symposium, a young adult summit and teaching. And this is for people between 18 and 30 years old. Okay. Um, we have Jay O'Hara uh, uh, committed to participate in that. We have Hannah Morgan, who grew up here in, in Vermont, who is a reclaiming pagan, um, veteran activist of Occupy Wall Street and uh, some other um, actions down, down south. Um, we have Sister Heather Gantz, who's a sister of St. Joseph in New York. She's coming up, and she's an environmental educator. We have um, Jory LaFrance, who's a Crow, um, uh, Crow woman who's a student at Dartmouth, um, who's in environmental studies and Native American studies, and she's coming as well. And they're going to be mm. like peer guides. Mm -hmm. And we, we're, we're having like an encampment mm -hmm. uh, for 18 to 30-year-olds so they can come together and both do the discernment work for themselves what's going to sustain you for this long haul yeah and as well as getting training in um nonviolent civil disobedience if that's the way they want to go um listening to the the witness to action of people like jay and hannah as well as the educational side of things how do we educate children like um heather and joe reed do right so um that's happening the 6th, 6th and 7th of, of uh, just prior to the symposium. And then, of course, we would love... And we're, we're keeping it... Uh, we'd love them to stay because we're keeping it to 18 to 30-year-olds. And I said, the, the method in this madness is, is we're going to bring in some 70 and 80-year-olds, elders mm -hmm. as well. We're going to exclude the 40 and 50-year-olds. Right. Anyone who could potentially be your parent. Yeah. We yeah. want the young adults and their elders to learn from one another and for the young adults to learn from elders so well i felt excluded already because i hadn't heard episcopalian all morning I mean, oh well just every other religion so now the I'm, trust, I'm trust me the episcopalians are there <laughs> very much so in fact one of our first symposium participants the reverend steve blackmer um his ordination i attended a couple years ago in canterbury new hampshire um um it was ordained by the new bishop of New Hampshire to, to his the church in the woods, and so his his whole journey from being a nonprofit um, CEO, I guess, to an Episcopal priest um, is over environmental concern, and it's okay. In seminary, I was called the Baptopalian, okay, in the Budeo Christian tradition, so that kind of. Mm -hmm. is why I do this stuff. You know, too bad, though, that his ordination was actually in Canterbury over in England, and you went to New Hampshire. <laughs> so, Jeff, let me let me ask you uh, here, uh, the, the Pope talking about this, I mean, this is like, uh, this is like uh, uh, a vitamin injection for you guys. <laughs> well, you know, I, I've never uh, followed a Pope on Twitter before. Um, and, and, and now I do. Uh, I was actually up late last night reading his recent speech from yesterday. It's a homily. In, in, uh, I actually think it was a speech. Um, in, in, we'll, we'll get back uh, in, to you in, 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 in Bogota. Um, uh, and, and, you know, he's tying together all the same elements that we are. That, that climate change is, is a, uh, a harmful force. And it's harmful because it's creating poverty. And it's affecting those who are the least among us. And it's affecting uh, God's creation, um, or creation of whoever you believe created. Um, 
and and so yeah, it's it's wonderful to have have the Pope on our side. Um, uh, he's got you know probably more influence than we do. Um, we actually have a a Roman Catholic sister coming up uh, uh, who's been working on the rights of nature for years. She's a, a lawyer at a, a legal center down in Florida, mm-hmm. uh, working on this sister uh, Pat Seaman, um, and she'll be talking about and giving a, um, a synopsis, if you will, of of uh, Auto Si, which is uh, praised be, which is the encyclical um, on climate and environment and poverty and uh, equality. So it, it's wonderful to have have him. Uh, and let me just repeat the um, the the contact information again, if I could. It's uh, the Our Children Climate Faith Symposium, which you can find on Faith Facebook if you look at that. Our Children Climate Faith Faith, um, and the website is www.faithclimateconference.org, where you can register and find out all about all of our speakers. So not only is it on Facebook, but it's on Facebook, too. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a short break. We'll come back and continue our discussion. We've been talking with uh, Jeff Wolf and uh, also uh, Reverend Byron Brees. We've uh, been talking about a conference they're putting together on climate change and faith. We'll take a short break. Uh, numbers 244-1777. Toll free, you can reach us at 877-291-8255. We'll be back right after this. You've decided to set your roots down here, and well over a hundred years back, we did too. We're Union Bank. As a local community bank, we know all the back roads, the realtors, and how to get things done locally. That means we can make your mortgage easy, because after all, nobody really does mortgages for fun. Well, except for maybe us. And when you call Union Bank, you get a real person with real answers to your mortgage questions. Now, how about that? Full service, local banking with people who live where you live. So whether it's your first home or your second, we'll provide you with nimble, local expertise, competitive rates, and a variety of mortgage options that help turn the imagined into the realized. At Union Bank, we know you want to go far in life. Banking local can get you there faster. Union Bank. Stay local. Go far. Visit us at your local branch or go to ublocal.com. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. It's no secret Mihiran Supermarket is a great place to shop. I'm Tom Mihiran. For over seven decades, Mihiran has been catering to the needs of the Mad River Valley and beyond. We have custom-cut meats, fresh produce and seafood, regular and organic grocery, locally produced foods galore topped off by an extraordinary wine and beer department and a state liquor agency. Shop me here in Supermarket, Village Square Shopping Center, Waitsfield. 136 delivered and 89 to go during the McMahon 225 Challenge. Hi, this is Steve Sace from McMahon Chevy Buick. First, we'd like to thank Mark Alexander of Wayne's Electric for getting his new Chevy Express van at McMahon. And I'm Matt Dever, sales manager at McMahon. We're in the final month of our 90-day challenge to sell and deliver 225 vehicles by close of business July 31st. With an all-time record in May and a new record for June, we're on our way. So whether it's price, working with the banks to get you a lower monthly payment, or moving on the trade, we're gonna do what it takes to earn your business. To reach our goal, we stocked up on new cars and trucks, and we still have McMahon's Cash for Junkers program with a guaranteed minimum trade allowance of $3,000 towards any used vehicle in stock, even at McMahon's import corner. Remember, we want your trades, not just the X-Wing fighters and tanks. We're looking for late model, clean domestics and imports. The McMahon 225 Challenge at McMahon Chevy Buick on the corner of Route 15 and Route 100 in Morrisville. This goal is super important to us, and we'll do whatever it takes to get there. Come put us to the test and see for yourself. We are making deals the other guys won't. Uh 
Chevy, find new roads. Join the free fun this Friday, July 10th and Saturday, July 11th as Waterbury hosts its signature summertime event, the Waterbury Arts Fest. Friday evening kicks off with music and the beer garden starting at 5.30 featuring local craft beers. On Saturday, starting at 10 a.m., more than 80 artists, crafters, and fine food purveyors will line the streets for an outdoor gallery. Sponsored by La Strada Bakery, celebrating their 30th anniversary, Casey's Bagel Cafe, located at 17 Stowe Street, and Axel's Gallery and Frame Shop on the historic Stowe Street. Go to WaterburyArtsFestival.com. Novello Furniture on the very Montpelier Road has just returned from a furniture buying trip and they need to make room for the new merchandise. They're changing out many of their showroom samples and passing the savings on to you. Now is the time to spruce up your home during Novello Furniture's summer floor sample sale with fantastic savings on hundreds of items throughout the store. Save at least 10% off their old sale prices and up to 60% off their current floor samples. Sofas, love seats, chairs, and rockers all on sale. Bedroom sets, mattresses, dining room sets, and lamps all marked down. Futons, bunk beds, and chairs all are reduced. Even entertainment centers and leather furniture are on sale. Novello Furniture is over 30,000 square feet of quality furniture at affordable prices. Come in now and save 10 to 60% on all current floor samples during the summer floor sample sale going on now at Novello Furniture on the Barry Montpelier Road. Novello Furniture, better furniture for less. All right, back, continue our discussion this morning. We've been talking with Reverend Byron Brees and also Jeff Wolf talking about a symposium that's coming up in August that makes the connection between children, climate, and faith. You can join us on the program this morning at 244-1777, toll-free 877-291-8255. Let's uh, reach into the grab bag here, uh, the uh, letter bag here. Uh, one of our uh, listeners says, uh, writes in to say this morning, has the Trustafarian preacher ever worked a real job or actually dealt with real life? He's a Manchurian candidate for the religion of environmentalism. Wow, that's 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 a, a double barrel there. So, Rev, uh, uh, have you ever uh, uh, ever worked a real job or actually dealt with real life? I, I like I like that Trustafarian. I might start using that. Um, Trusting in God, yeah. Um, I don't think that's what the trustee was I, talking about. I sure it wasn't. Uh, I am a 23-year uh, retired Air Force officer. Um, I um, my first my first work with the military was as a um, certified substance abuse counselor. For ten years, I ran outpatient substance abuse rehab programs, active duty and reserve. And then, um, and then worked human relations, uh, doing discrimination, sexual harassment, casework, investigation. Um, I understand a lot of people don't think that that's real work either, but um, there's a great deal of suffering. And also doing that kind of civil rights work in the military context, I was not always the most loved person in the room, but I felt it was my constitutional duty to do that. Um, my final assignment, actually, though, was as a, uh, an instructor for uh, Air Force ROTC at Cornell University, and this was 02 to 06. And so these were young men and women whom I commissioned, many of whom I commissioned, and sent off to war. And I'm still in touch with many of them. I've done a bunch of their weddings. I've been watching their kids be born. Um, 
I mean, sure. Uh, I, think you, I think you made the case. Let, okay. me, let me move yeah. on here. I was going to say, you know, visiting people in hospitals when they're dying, that's real work. Yeah. So the, I, I asked Jeff what impact he thought the Pope speaking out on this would have. What do you think? Uh, I, I think um, the Holy Father's um, words are... <laughs> I just, I, if you could see, I have a smile on my face because um, he has he has made the connections from a perspective, from a place of of lived faith. Um, like him, I am a Christian, and so the incarnation is how we understand ourselves, and that incarnation um, unifies us. It unifies the divine and the human. And so we understand that we are intended to be um, siblings one with another. Uh, and that means reaching into one another's suffering. And this, this, is, this is an evolutionary process, let's say, spiritually, to come to that point where, where you have empathetic suffering with others and it's the hardest darn thing to do um, this kind of uh, uh, preaching by the Pope is, is brilliant he's been able to show these kinds of connections that go between uh, just land, labor and lodging as he put it um, you know, he's come up with his four L's. Great. It's, it's wonderful for, you know, you got to be smart like that to, to get a deeply spiritual and moral and ethical message out. Um, but it comes from this place of, of for a Christian, um, the reality of Christ, that incarnation. It, we're not separated out. We're not, we're not fractured. But we live fractured lives. And so his words, I've found in reading them, begin to reaffirm the interconnectedness, uh, not just between people, between the poor and the rich, between the privileged and the not privileged, um, but between the inner self and the outer self. Uh, this, is, this is vital. So I... I I'm, I'm just reading through these things now, and I'm, I'm so happy that um, Sister Pat is going to come and talk from a Catholic uh, contemplative perspective um, uh, and political and legal perspective mm -hmm. uh, at the symposium about um, La Dato Si. So, mm -hmm. but, you know, at the same time, mm -hmm. I, I can recall reading about people of uh, very deep faith who look at this whole issue completely different and basically view that what we're doing to the planet is what's supposed to happen, that it's all sort of part of this grand apocalypse that's, that's going to happen and that we should just keep doing what we're doing. Um, <laughs> did you hear the sigh? I, in a sense... I think we actually all felt it. <laughs> I think, you know, this comes from a particular theological perspective and yeah theologies are different um i mean i i was raised american baptist and um 
I received both the kind of traditional evangelical theology and the social gospel tradition of liberal Protestantism. Um, so, in a sense, it's, it's as though I wish to say to some of my brothers and sisters who believe that, okay, Jesus is going to come back and fix everything. Then carry on believing that in the deepest faith that you have possible. Do not hinder those of us who seek to work with the Holy Spirit, with the presence of Christ, to live out the gospel. Because the earth is a gift. We do not own it. The earth is a gift. Continue in your faith, and if you're right, you'll be right. <laughs> it's, it's just, you'll be right. Right. And the rest of us will be wrong. Good for you. Let's talk about another part of this that's, that's um, difficult. Um, I, there was a guest I had on earlier this week, a, a, a psychologist and an economist from Norway, which is a threefold great combination. <laughs> and uh, uh, I'm Norwegian. I can get awesome. away with that. So, and the point that he was making is that this is something that the book that he wrote was, and I may get the title slightly wrong, but it was what are what we are thinking about when we're not thinking about global warming. In essence, he said that people are just in denial about it. It's it's one of these ideas that mentally people just can't get their head around, nor can they then do anything about it. It's just too big for them to deal with. So, um, there's been a lot of discussion and research about that, and uh, in, in most of American society, uh, we have a, an ability to think about today and tomorrow, and, and we don't do a lot of long-term planning. And, and we could have a, a whole radio show about uh, you know, why that is in our society. Uh, it, it's not hardwired in our brains. The, uh, the Native Americans don't think that way. Um, you know, they, they, they look at the seven generations. Uh, they look far into the future. Um, many other societies in the world look far into the future. It, it, it's our very consumer-oriented, you know, please me today, don't worry about tomorrow culture that, that, that gets us into those problems. It, we, we look at this in the symposium, actually. Uh, uh, Dr. Reverend Gregory Wilson, who is one of our steering committee members, um, has actually done a lot of work with addiction as well uh, in counseling and has written some books on, on treating addiction. And you know, you can look at some of these um, uh, issues as being uh, addiction. Wow. Addiction to our consumer society, addiction to fossil fuels, addiction to, to cheap labor, which is what energy is. Um, and so how do you recover from that? And part of the uh, delay and denial uh, can actually be a result of um, trying to avoid addressing the problem. So so it, it, it is a very complex communication issue, very complex um, uh, psychological issue, uh, which is also where faith comes in. Uh, faith can sometimes break through some of those barriers. Uh, faith and working for social justice, you actually don't you actually don't need to care or believe in climate change in order to do everything we need to do. To address climate change, All right. because climate change is creating the large social injustice problems. If you care about social injustice and creating social justice, creating a more just society, you will do every single thing that you need to do in order to create a world that also mitigates climate change. So it's focusing on that justice, which can sometimes help people get through that denial. But um, do you have to be a person of faith to be worried about this? Uh, it, 
No, absolutely not. Uh, I, I did not come to climate change concern through faith. Um, many people I know did not come to it through faith. Uh, again, we're, we're trying to broaden the uh, tent, uh, broaden the discussion. And, uh, you know, many scientists are very, very deeply faithful. Um, you know, the, the, the Vatican has a 400-year-old observatory. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so many, many religious people are deeply scientific and many scientists are deeply religious. Um, people uh, sometimes make a divide there and there is, there is no divide. Uh, so you can come at it from faith, you can come at it from science, you can come at it from a purely secular point of view. Uh, and, and our symposium actually works with all three of those. Yeah. Do you now come at it from a position of faith? Do you see it now as an issue of faith? Uh, I see it as an issue issue of faith and science and justice. Um, my my primary personal motivator is is justice. Now, where does my motivation for justice come from? Right. Uh, a, a deeper spirituality. Okay. What about? The, let me toss this idea. What if you just have ultimate faith, and then uh, not necessarily talking about the apocalypse, people, but having faith, and if you have enough faith, then this is all going to get taken care of the way it's supposed to. Well, I'll, I'll defer to somebody who knows the theology on that better than I do, which would be the Pope. Okay. Um, oh, I thought you were going to turn over to Byron. Well, Byron also knows <laughs> the right. theology better than I do, but, um, you know, the Pope... Well, the Pope's not available, so maybe we can <laughs> well, ask the, the, the Pope directly addressed this in his encyclical. Okay. Uh, directly addressed the, 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 you know, he, he went through the theology in great detail, as much detail as he went through the science as well. Um, and, and, and the theology from the Pope's point of view, <laughs> which uh, is, is, is certainly a, an informed point of view... Um, is that we don't have the right to take God's creation and do with it what we will. That's playing God. We're not supposed to play God. <laughs> so, so respecting what God has given us, again, from the Pope's point of view, is, is extremely important to being of faith. You can't be of faith and destroy God's creation. 244-1777 is our local number. Toll-free, 877-291-8255. Let me take a moment of your time to remind you about our friends at Jet Service Envelope, an outstanding local company. They can take care of any and all of your printing needs. And you can reach them at this phone number, 229-9335, 229-9335. You'll also find them on the web. That would be at jetservice-envelope.com. Everything from printing your uh, uh, book, you can get your memoirs uh, printed up there. You uh, can, uh, I mean, that is actually if you've um, uh, done anything in your life and you're not just a trustafarian. You uh, can also get some nice brochures printed up there too, maybe a nice trifold brochure. Maybe you have a conference coming up you want to promote or something like that. You can also, if you own a company, change your letterhead and your uh, envelopes there, make a nice little fresh up for your business at a very inexpensive cost. And those of you that are individuals, and I know some of you have taken advantage of this, it is not a big deal. There's no order that's too small when you call Jet Service. If you want to get some nice envelopes and letterhead for your own life, you know, maybe send out some correspondence to some people you know, maybe some thank you notes, things like that. You could do it on your own letterhead and easy to do too. 229-9335. And again, you'll find them on the web at jetservice-envelope.com. What do you do after this conference? What do you do? You take the, you, you have the conference and then you take it and you do what? Well, first thing we do is we, we curate the uh, information we get from this conference. And if people go to the website, faithclimateconference.org, uh, 
our archives from the first two symposiums last year and the year before are there. And there's lots of great video content there. We, we videoed most of the speakers. Um, so you've, you've got Bill McKibben up there. You've got Tim DeChristopher up there. You've got uh, Skyhawk Starhawk up there. Um, and, and so people can can see this. And that, that takes actually quite a bit of effort to get that, yeah. that information up there. Um, we also have been participating in, in other conferences and helping to uh, seed this kind of conference around the country. There's a, another conference that was existing in Florida but has really been converted to this kind of message uh, through our work. Uh, I'm also involved in a new group that is forming uh, called the Justice Action Mobilization Network, uh, which is being formed with a, a, a group um, uh, including the Reverend Yearwood from the Hip Hop Caucus. Chairman. Jammin, yeah, right, yeah. Yeah. very good. Um, and uh, uh, Reverend Yearwood and Reverend Sadler from the Moral Mondays movement, um, and and quite a few other people from around the country who have been in faith and outside of faith working on social justice issues. So we're we're uh, bringing that message forward to them and helping them bring more people of faith into this this work. Uh, we're also very honored. Um, there's a uh, a Parliament of the World's Religions which has been going on since 1893 and is in Salt Lake City this year. Wow, I've never heard of that. Um, it, it has been every four years, uh, starting in 93. I think it was been every four years. Huh. Um, and um, it's in Salt Lake City this year. They expect about 10,000 people there. And uh. it's focused on climate and justice and women's rights. Uh, and we've been asked to present a panel on what the work is that we do. So that we'll be doing that in October. And, uh, you know, our, our work, th this is all volunteer. <laughs> mm -hmm. So our work keeps on growing uh, and, and, and spreading. And our, our whole uh, motive here is to, is to spread this effort and, and spread the motivation to other people. The, uh, I guess one of the other $64,000 questions, uh, Reverend, is it too late? I mean, is all this effort you guys are doing going to be pointless? No. It's it's um, it is it is not too late. It is never too late. Um, the numbers are pretty discouraging. The numbers are very discouraging. Discouraging. Um, we will exist as long as we are able to exist, and we have an obligation as. The human species to do this work, not just for our own generations coming, um, but for for life itself. And um, I, I mean, my Native American friends have said things like, "Look, Mother Nature is pissed. She'll take care of this problem if she needs to." Right. And get rid of us. Exactly. Yeah. So we have, we have an obligation to right-wise ourselves and to take ourselves out of this place of this kind of perpetual growth consumerist narcissism and begin to see that there are better ways of living. It doesn't mean going back to the 18th century. That might happen anyway. <laughs> But we were human beings then, and we're human beings now. So this is, 
even though things seem very, very discouraging, we're, we're called to be more than, than we even think we are. And that's part of the th- problem. So we think too much sometimes and we don't feel enough through the heart. And by connecting the heart and the mind and the soul, we begin to start to see our very existence differently. And that takes us to a place where we are actually able to, to do well by, our, by others. And, and that ultimately benefits ourselves. Mm-hmm. The, the Pope just called uh, rampant consumerism the dung of the devil. He was quoting somebody else was, on that. Yeah. But so how do you, Jeff, how do you keep hope on this with, with the numbers being what they are and the trends lines being what they are? You know, we, we don't, we're, it's not too late. I'm, I'm very involved in technology. I'm still very involved in solar energy and other energy sources. Um, the, we have the technology to solve this problem. And, and it can be a dark day sometimes now, but think about how dark the day was, um, you know, when Pearl Harbor happened. That was an amazingly dark day, and and the U.S. didn't have the capability to fight a war. Um, Had tried very hard to stay out of the war for a number of years. Pearl Harbor happened, and in four years, you know, we created every solution we needed. Jet airplanes did not exist at the start of the war, and they did at the end of the war. Um, So so we have the technology on tap. We have the ability. The thing we need, frankly, is the faith. Be that a spiritual faith or a secular faith. We need the faith, and then we need the motivation to action. Mm-hmm. So um, how do I keep motivated? Through, through many different kinds of faith, uh, some of which are supplied by the symposium. And that's also part of what we address in the symposium is telling people that, helping to inform them about the uh, secular solutions and the solutions of faith help them to work through the grieving process that we all are feeling, some of us are feeling, and helping to provide the hope that we need. Uh, humans are, are, are an amazing species for uh, having hope. And, and sometimes we need that recharge, though. So, so long as we retain hope, I am sure we can come through this problem well. What's the technology available today, though? So solar is available t- today. As an example, uh, a, n- a new contract was signed for solar energy in Nevada. A little different from Vermont, but that contract was signed for 3.87 cents per kilowatt hour. Cheaper than any other power you can buy in Nevada, including coal. Um, that technology is available. You've probably heard something about the battery technology. You know, Green Mountain Power is working with Tesla on their power wall. That's one t- kind of battery. There are a dozen other kinds of batteries that are almost as far along as uh, Tesla is with their battery, which may be better, may be better for different applications, may be cheaper. Mm-hmm. Uh, battery technology is dropping in price as fast as solar panels did in the last seven years, which was fast. Right. Um, you know, wind technology is getting better. Offshore wind technology, uh, high-altitude wind technology. You know, we just flew a plane around the world with no gasoline. It took a long time. But, you know, Lindbergh's flight across the Atlantic took a long time, too. Right. So the first usually take longer. So we just flew a plane around the world on solar power. That's pretty amazing. You know, we, start, we do things like that, and it shows the edge of the technology that's available. 
solar, wind, hydropower, uh, a little bit of biomass, these items can power us and can power us 24 hours a day. Uh, the Solutions Project, uh, it, it has a website, solutionsproject.org, I think it is. And they've created uh, renewable energy plans for all 50 states to create 100% renewable energy by 2050. And they have economic analysis on it. It's a positive economic impact when we do this. So as we get into the technology, again, I come from the technology area. I, I, I don't have any concern about the technology being available in time at good prices. Mm-hmm. Now, I have a concern about people being motivated to do this, uh, which, which is why I'm doing the work at this symposium, which I'll just remind people is our Children yeah. Climate Faith Symposium uh, on Facebook under that name and on the web at uh, www.faithclimateconference.org. Reverend, I'm curious. We began here talking about your uh, your your. Uh, uh, I guess we'll call it your mountaintop speech. <laughs> slightly <laughs> slightly different than another more famous one. Yeah. What was the reaction of your congregation to that? Uh, it was diverse. I mean, for the most part, the majority of the people uh, there at the time um, were certainly. Uh, interested in it and um and supportive of the idea i mean because this was clearly an issue around um social justice and environment i mean we have you know a particular environment in our country where the some of the poorest people in the country live and and the the impacts are are are, are horrific so were there people, though, that said, why are you talking about this? There were, of course, of course. And that's part of this is that, you know, that diversity of, of opinion is, is there. It is necessary. It is good to keep all of us talking. And so there were a few people who found this to be mixing religion and politics. I don't see it that way. Um, but it's a legitimate um, um, discussion. And in mm-hmm. our tradition, that's, that should happen. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, the website again, Jeff, is what? Uh, www.faithclimateconference.org. Thanks for coming in, both of you. Appreciate it. Thank it was you. a fun Pleasure. hour. Uh, Reverend Byron Brees and also uh, Jeff Wolf, who is one of the co-founders of Grow Solar. You heard them mention where the uh, the site is. You can sign up for the conference. And again, it'll be coming up in uh, early August. So sign up now. That's going to wrap things up for hour number one. We'll be back in just a couple of moments. We'll check in with our White House crew to begin hour number two. And then we're going to have a uh, discussion about solar weather Keep your dial right here. This is FM 96.1 WDEV Warren broadcasting from the top of Sugarbush in the flagship AM 550 WDEV Waterbury Montpelier. News is next.